Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 88. And we have Kevin King back. Kevin, you are one of the early, you were in the uh, number 10 was your last episode. So you're an OG on the SRT. Um, like and that. I made and I made that rhyme too, which is you know good on me. Uh, welcome back! Thanks for being on. I'm glad to be back, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So if anybody in the Amazon world doesn't know who you are yet, which I would find surprising, uh, maybe they're just starting out. Uh, give give people a little bit of background. Uh, you know, go as deep as you want. You know, where you grew up, uh, what you did in the past, past jobs, kind of what led you to where you are now. Uh, yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur my entire life since I was about two years old. Uh, I'm not the traditional person who worked a corporate job and then quit to go work for myself. I've only held two jobs in my entire life. That was delivering pizzas and working at McDonald's when I was a teenager. Um, I graduated from Texas A&M, degree in business. And ever since then, I've been uh, doing my own thing. I've been doing e-commerce since uh, before Google existed, back when there's AltaVista and Yahoo and uh, Lycos and uh Stuff back in like 94, 95, I think is around 94. I think I sent my first email, uh, but I was playing on the computers at uh, Texas A&M doing uh, back when the internet was actually like just between universities and more of a scientific thing. So I've been doing e-commerce uh, pretty much ever since then. Um, been dealing with Amazon since 2001. I think uh, I was back when PayPal first started, I think 99 uh, or 2000, so when they used to give you $10 per subscriber, per person that's referred into your account. I was referring people to sign up for PayPal. So that's how far back I go. Been doing F, uh, the, the uh, FBA model on Amazon since 2015. I've got uh, four or five different companies that I'm either owner and partners in, uh, doing a whole variety of different things on Amazon. I also uh, partners in Product Savants, uh, which is a company where we help uh, advanced sellers find and source products. I am the lead trainer for, free, the, for Helium 10 for their uh, Helium 10 Elite, which is a monthly coaching, as well as I'm the creator of the Freedom Ticket course, which was recently voted the number one course for new Amazon sellers by Seller Poll on their big poll. Also host the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, and I have another business that uh, uh, does direct-to-consumer off Amazon. Uh, so uh, keep so clearly good. you're bored. I, I'm just sitting we around need to give to you do. some more things to do. <laughs> all day, all day. I just sit around with nothing to do. That's awesome, Kevin. <laughs> so yeah, I've got my hands uh, in a little bit of everything. Uh, I work, my, I don't have any VAs or any employees, so I partner with people. So like, uh, you know, that's, that's how I, people will say, how do you do all this? Well, I do work a lot, uh, but I also, I, I work smart. So like, you know, instead of creating my own course, I could have created my own course, kept 100% of the profits, gone out and, uh, you know, did all the Facebook ads and all the traditional things, dealt with all the customer inquiries and people want to cancel and subscribe or get access to this. But instead of doing that, I just partner with someone that already has an audience. So like Helium 10, you know, they're already out there with a massive audience, probably second to only Jungle Scout, if not, maybe they're above Jungle Scout now. Uh, those two are neck and neck and let them handle all that. And they take a cut and I get a, I get a, a piece and it works really good. Uh, so that's that's how I'm able to do so many things is by partnering and uh, by by leveraging different different stuff. Well, you certainly have a plethora of experience, and we're ready to pick your brain today. Uh, this is your second time on awesome. the Seller Roundtable, so 
I would love to know what surprises have you encountered since beginning your business on Amazon? Probably the biggest thing that I don't know if it's a surprise, but it, it catches a lot of people off guards is how much money it actually takes to be successful on Amazon. Yeah, you know, that that you know, yeah, like when I started in 2015, you know, that's back that amazing was the, the top course and people were doing that. And I oh, yeah, start with a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks. And there's people that have done that and, and gone on to be very successful, but it's that those people are very few and far between. And maybe you do start off with a thousand bucks, but what people don't say is two months later, they got terms from their supplier or they get, they took a loan from their rich uncle or there's something else to the store usually. And that, that was probably the biggest surprise is how truly cash intensive it actually is to make this business work. Um, especially once you start growing, um, it, it's just extremely cash intensive. That makes so much sense, you know, because it, it is a scale game. We have, we need to be able to keep reinvesting and, and getting more products and really build something. And in order to build something, you need money. And also we make a lot of mistakes in the beginning. We spend too much money on advertising mistakes or sourcing mistakes. So I think, uh, you know, we need some room for error and you need to start with a really great plan. So I, I agree. There's money is definitely a surprise there. Um, are there opportunities to grow on Amazon? And uh, if yes, talk about that. And if not, why not? Are there, uh, you said it, are there opportunities to grow on Amazon? Yeah. Oh, is there, I mean, some people say that it's like saturated now. There's no opportunities. Is no, there it's, opportunities? It's, better, it's better than ever right now. Uh, it's the best it's ever been. Uh, but you have to, it's not easy. So there's a difference between opportunity and easy. Four or five years ago, it was pretty easy. You could just Go stick, go to Alibaba, stick your logo on a on a spatula, and stick it up on Amazon, and 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 actually probably make some decent money. You can't do that anymore. Uh, are there certain product categories that are saturated? Absolutely. Does it mean you can't compete there? No. It just means you either got to come to it with a different look, a different uh, a differentiation, or a lot more money uh, to actually compete. But there's tons of opportunities, and the the, the beauty about Amazon is that. Um, it's growing. I mean, just this year, it's up, what, I think 40% uh, just uh, because of COVID. And I don't think that's going to slow stop. I mean, it, it, the growth won't be as dramatic, but it's going to continue to grow. And what that does is that creates even more opportunity because don't compete on where you shouldn't compete is on, on the, the highest level, the big keywords, the most searched for keywords. But what that increase in traffic and increase in people using it means there's a lot more depth at the, at the lower end. So, you know, it's, Five years ago, if you were selling uh, black metal specialists for left left-handed uh, left-handed people who uh, who like to cook pancakes, I don't know some really niche down thing. You know, there's like five five or ten people looking for that. But now, because it's increased, now there's you can make a business out of that because all these really super niches and these keywords that have five hundred, a thousand searches or less, you put enough of those together, you can still, you can create something without all the competition, without all the, without all the saturation, without all the headaches. So no, mm -hmm. um, the opportunities are, are great, but you, you gotta, it all starts with the product you pick. Um, and so that's where a lot of people make a mistake is they either want to grow too fast or they, uh, or they're anxious to quit their other job and, and get out of this. And so they, they make mistakes in the, in the product they choose or, or they don't differentiate it. You know, I just have students still in the freedom ticket that are complaining about hijackers. Hijacker on my listing, how do I get them off? I've never had a hijacker in all my years of selling on Amazon. And that's because 
I differentiate the products. Um, you know, I'm not, so th those are the people that are taking shortcuts. Um, it's yeah. a great place to establish a brand, uh, to establish, to, to, to prove out a product, if it's a brand new product, you know, to get reviews and prove it out before you take it to, to retail or something. And you know, Amazon is, is, it's incredible uh, what it can do. Um, so no, it's not, sat it's, it's not saturated and it hasn't jumped the shark. I like it. I like it a lot. I completely agree. You know, there is, there are saturated categories, but it is all about um, what you're doing with your products and differentiating and building a business, right? Um, so it's a very powerful sales channel and there's a lot of opportunity and I completely agree that it's just going to continue to grow. So, but we got to be on top of it. So speaking of being on top of it, what is the most important thing an Amazon seller can be doing right now to maximize their sales and profit? Um, to maximize their sales and profit um, is using every tool that Amazon uh, gives you. There's so many people that they, they throw up their product on Amazon. And like, All right, I'm, I'm now I'm selling on Amazon. Let me go, let me go uh, start running Facebook ads or start my Shopify site or I need to be on Walmart. I need to diversify off of Amazon because uh, all my eggs are in one basket. Yeah, there is risk to being just on Amazon and having all your eggs in one basket. But the, the time and energy that you spend to go off of Amazon and the money that you spend to try to develop something off of Amazon typically is not worth your time uh, for most people. Um, it's a whole different business model. It's a whole different way. And you're better off taking that time and energy and focusing it back on Amazon and using all the the tools that Amazon gives you. A lot of people aren't using video. A lot of people aren't using Amazon Post. A lot of people aren't using the live, the new live stuff. A lot of people aren't using, don't have a storefront page. A lot of, do, do the, all those little things that Amazon, all these tools and things that Amazon gives you. And that will help you, you know, each one of those might add a, a small percentage, but they're going to be, it's going to be a bigger number at the end of the day than you taking time to go develop a, to try to send traffic to a Shopify site. Do you need a Shopify site or a standalone site? Yeah, you should. It's just, you know, there are people that will Google you to see if you're legit, if they never heard from you. You need something, but don't put a lot of effort and energy into driving traffic to it. You're better off to, if you want to expand off of Amazon US, let's say you're selling US, go to Canada, start selling in Canada. There's two different systems. Usually if your account gets shut down for some bad reason in, in the US, it's not going to affect your, your account in Canada. Uh, you know, diversify that way because you already know how to play the game. You already know how Amazon works. And it's very similar in those other countries. You're better off doing that. Love and it. Canada, you can add, depends on your product, but you can add five to 15% to your bottom line really fast. That's way less competitive. I agree that, you know, there's so many new ways to take up real estate on the page. And we're in e-commerce. If you want to get found, you need to make sure that you're taking advantage of all of those real estate offers that Amazon is giving you, um, like your storefront and video ads. And, and yeah, I'm astounded every day when I um, see new clients that are um, that are trying to increase their sales and are brand registered and are not taking advantage of those things. Uh, Andy was the first one to yell at me and say, Amy, Video ads, they're available now. Like, get it. I don't care if it's ugly, get it out there. Yeah, <laughs> so, on video. You know, he stays on, on top of me getting, getting, taking advantage of that. I you mean, know, you don't need to go shoot some fancy video. I mean, you can hire a company and shoot a, a nice product video and all that if you want to. But if you can't afford that or don't have the time, just take your best images and create a slideshow. You know, there's people on Fiverr that'll put it to music and put some graphics to it. Um, yeah. And just get that up and start running that. That, that right alone 
like you said, the real estate, you know, those things take up like the spot of four product listings on a page. It's just, it's incredible. And now, if you know, Amazon just recently introduced, uh, when people ask a question, you can answer with a video. Um, you, you yes, know, on, I started doing that. It was really cool. Yeah, that's just those little things can, can there's just so much that can be done that most people don't don't do. So what is your favorite part and least favorite part of being an Amazon seller? The least favorite part is you're playing in Amazon's playground. So no matter what you're selling, you you, you never know what's going to happen. You, ne you never know if they're going to classify your product as adult all of a sudden because somebody complained or they're going to say you, you, this product is now pesticide. So you need to provide these documents and dealing with Amazon so big. It's, it's, they're not doing it on purpose, but there's just, they're so big and they, they, it's just, you can't get a straight answer uh, and a good answer from someone that actually has a clue a, lo a lot of times. And so that's the most frustrating part. Uh, the, the best part is this, the opportunity. I mean, you just, the amount of people and the amount of eyeballs and the amount of traffic that you can get in front, it's just, it's on, there's never been a business like it in, probably in, his, in history. I mean, it's been, where you can have this many people that are anxious with their credit cards out, ready to buy uh, right in front of you that you can get in front of overnight. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible uh, what you can do. Love it. So I'm curious about this one <laughs> because you're a pretty open book, Kevin, but what is something most people don't know about you? What's something is most people don't know about me? Um, whew, um, that's a good, most people don't know about me. I'm pretty open though. Um, what would they not know? Um, that uh, most people don't know that I've, I was named one of the top 40 marketers under 40 when I was like 22 years old, which was a long time ago. Um, and I was featured, uh, I did a, a little business um, back when, uh, when uh, strip clubs actually started becoming a, a thing. Uh, you know, there's always been uh, strip clubs that are out there you know it's always you see them in the movies and there's a seedy part of town of the gross little nasty little places that guys go but back around uh, 1990 91 this that industry started changing and you would have especially i think cities like dallas and houston atlanta uh these like five million dollar clubs opening up that have like marble floors and crystal chandeliers and uh prime rib steak lunches and all this kind of stuff and they became like these palaces and that fascinated me when I was like 23 years old. So I actually started a magazine uh, that had no nudity. It's, it's just about the business of, of this business. Uh, there's no nudity or anything. It's just about the clubs opening. And I had all this data about um, all these these clubs everywhere. And so I created this magazine and I had no money. You know, I, was, I started this with like five or 10 grand. I was robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, convincing the printer in uh, Chicago to print this on terms because I couldn't pay them. And to get press, I sent out a press. I sent out a press release. Uh, I was like, "Well, I gotta do something to try to get subscribers." I got like twelve subscribers. What can I do? So I sent out a. You know, I was getting the business cards from the fish bowls from different places and sending out stuff. This is direct mail. This is pre-internet days. And I was. Uh, and then uh, sent out a press set. I got all this data because I had flown all over the country. My mom worked for American Airlines, so I could fly for free. So I flew all over the country doing research on these clubs. And it wasn't just go sit in the club and get drunk and spend money. It was actually, I was going and going into the club, seeing how the lighting was set up, how the situation was set up, how the business side of it was set up. And I'd go to the library and say Atlanta or Seattle or New York and pull the microfilm about all the stories that had been written about these clubs and 
some some states is the, the alcohol sales or public information. So I get, gathered all this data and I had all this data. So I created this list of uh, here's the top 20 cities in the United States for uh, strip clubs. You know, Dallas has 42 and Atlanta has 36. And this is how much money they do. You know, it's a whatever it was, a hundred million dollar business and uh, a year business in Dallas. And it's, you know, aggregate, it's a $3 billion a year business, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I, I, I actually had a fax machine. I faxed that press release to Entertainment Tonight, to the AP and to somebody else. I can't remember. Next day, Entertainment Tonight was at my little one bedroom apartment in Austin filming me. Uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Flamous flew me out to California to interview me. Um, because I became uh, the de facto expert about this business and this hot new trend. And I got, I was on the cover of New York Times and uh, front, front page of New York Times and USA Today and Red Book and Vanity Fair and uh, you name it. I, I became the expert, you know, this little 23 year old kid uh, in Austin. Uh, oh, uh, so that's something a lot of people don't know. That is fascinating. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So why, why didn't you become a partner in one of these bustling uh, adult entertainment uh, industries? Actually, I tried to, you know, I, I saw this, I was like, this is a cool idea. So I actually put together like a hundred page business plan. Like, you know, like this would, the business plan could have won awards, you know, if it was in some sort of competition, very detailed business plan to open one in Austin. It was like, I don't know anybody in the business. So how do, how do I find out what I should pay people or what people are like? So I put in a, a newspaper ad in the local Austin American Statesman. It's like 1991, 92, somewhere in there saying new club opening soon, now hiring bartenders and managers. And there's no club. Um, I, I just wanted resumes. I just wanted to meet people and talk to people. So people were sending me resumes. And one of the people that sent me a resume was one of the current managers of one of the current clubs. So I called him up and we met and, I came clean to him about what I was doing. He's like, hey, let's partner up. And so we actually tried to raise money to actually open one. And uh, just uh, nobody wanted to really give us, uh, I think it was three million bucks we're trying to raise. Nobody really wanted to give some kid with no experience uh, three million bucks to open a club. But you did prove like the power of the press right there and the power of just putting your story out there. Like you went, you started with nothing and then you got all this recognition because you put some really cool data together. And, you know, whenever you can craft a story in a way where it might be attractive to the press or somebody who wants to get your story out there, you, you prove the power of that. And that's that, it so also cool. brought the bad stuff out because as a result of the press, I got a phone call from a, a guy in Detroit who saw me on, a, I think, Entertainment Tonight. And he, he tracked me down somehow and said, hey, I want you to be a consultant. I'm going to fly you up here to Detroit. And I'm, I think I'm about opening a club. So he flies me up there. Um, and then at the time, I was still trying to do the magazine. And he's like, hey, you need some help with the magazine. And I was like, yeah. He said, what do you need? I said, $10,000 investment right now. You know, was, this is a lot of money back then. $10,000 really helped. So yeah, here you go. Here's 10 grand. And I moved to Arizona at that point um, uh, because I thought I had a business partner that was going to help me out there. So I just packed up and moved. I was doing whatever I, I needed to do. Uh, <clears throat> had a U-Haul truck that I moved in and I, I didn't have a car. So I didn't return the U-Haul truck for like three months. That was my local car and I was driving around. Um, and uh, but So one day I locked the keys in it and I was like, oh, there went my ride. Um, so so it, it, was, it was not good. Uh, but um, this guy turns out that he ended up moving to Arizona or renting a hotel in Arizona. It turns out he was a old old school mafia uh, and uh, was running all kinds of uh, stuff. And uh, they would rent out the top of the Phoenician resorts in Arizona. And 
the top CEOs from some very big Fortune 500 companies would come in and they would have orgies and all kinds of crazy. I was never invited. He's like, one day maybe you'll, you'll be in, you'll be, you'll be uh, good enough. But cocaine and it's just crazy. I was like, I don't want any part of this. And you know, I got to be where he was like, you know, it's a, a model wants to be on the cover. Uh, you know, they're gonna have to do something. I'm like, I'm not. You know, this is uh, this is not me. Um, I'm, I don't want any part of this. So I left and. Uh, and I had to leave with a police escort out of the city because he sent uh, Guido's to break my legs to keep me from leaving. Um, so it, I, I could write a whole book and it could be a whole movie on it. But <laughs> Wow, and, we and have opened I'll, up a can of worms here, but I love it. That's fun. So, so there's a good story that no one's ever heard that's exclusive to the SRT. <laughs> I like it. I like it. This is, we're going to change the title of this episode to be like, did you know, do you know who wants to break Kevin King's lips? No, 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 absolutely not. No, the, this, the title's just strippers and blow. That's the, that's the, we could sit there and talk stories for hours about, I could tell you crazy stuff. I was like, uh, well, yeah. speaking of you talking stories and telling us crazy stuff, let's get back to crazy stuff on and off of Amazon. What other selling platforms have you looked into? Which ones do you like? And, you know, anything I've, people I've should be aware of? I've sold on Walmart in the past um, and Shopify uh, and eBay. Those are pretty much the only ones that, uh, you know, I have, we have Shopify sites for all of our products right now. Um, I, I also, one of my, one of my brands that's direct to consumer. I and mean, we actually still, I still get checks in the mail. And I think this year, you know, we did a healthy six figures in business. And I think 20, 30 grand of it was still checks and money orders being sent in the mail. Um, so that the business is not dead. Um, but that one's not on Shopify. It's on like a proprietary platform just because we customized a lot of stuff years ago and just don't want to move it. But those are the ones that uh, off Amazon uh, that, you know, I've sold in Zulily and uh, Touch of Modern and done wholesale different places, but the focus is primarily uh, Amazon. eBay adds a little bit. Uh, um, Walmart wasn't, a, a, I, I did Walmart like three years ago and, and really haven't gone back to it. So we're not doing much there right now. Um, out here it's better now than what it was but um yeah it's it's slowly growing like we just started on walmart a little while ago and it's a lot better than it was like years ago because they're really putting effort into their online yeah. presence now but compared to amazon like you said it's just it's very small so you know it's it's an it's a growing opportunity though and i can see that it's growing every day so that that makes sense so what about on amazon do you use mostly fulfillment by Amazon or do you use outside services for packing, shipping, customer service? And what do you think the pros and cons of each option are for people just starting out with FBA with all of those limitations on shipping? Well, the new limitations for, even if, if you're not just starting out, even if you're an established seller and introducing a new product, you have limitations. So this 200 maximum uh, to send in is a, is a problem uh, for something that sells. You know, if, you, if you're shooting for 10, 10, 15, 20 sales a day, that's a, that's a serious problem. So you have to have a third-party fulfillment. You have to have an FBM option. And so I have, you know, I, I try to get FBA on everything as fast as I can because just the, the economies of scale and the costs are just dramatically lower. But I have a, for one of our brands, or we have two different, two different F, uh, 3PLs, one in St. Louis and one in Washington States that handle uh, that for us. And also uh, I live in a, a condo here in uh, downtown Austin, high-rise condo, and uh, we have on the parking garage levels, there's actually garages. 
that you can rent for like 200 bucks a month. So I have two of those uh, that are one of them set up as a fulfillment center. I, I got the, uh, I have to go down and describe, there's no internet down there. So I have to go down. I have a whole Mac computer with a label printer and ship station and all this stuff set on it. Uh, all the boxes and tape and everything you need. And to get connect to the internet, I have to use a hotspot on my cell phone uh, to connect. But I have that set up just for some small stuff, but luckily I, you know, it's not a lot that goes out of there, but luckily I have that because one of my product brands just uh, this year, this, this past season, um, all FBA selling really good numbers every day into the thousands of dollars on a couple of these items. It's a seasonal item, uh, the calendars actually, um, these calendars and the, the calendars uh, were doing well and then come uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I noticed the sales just went up slightly. They didn't go up, you know, two or three or four X like they have in the past. And I didn't think a whole lot of it at the time. I was so busy. I didn't look into it. I was like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's just, you know, people were ordering earlier. The sales are spread out because of COVID or, or whatever. And, and then I started about a week after uh, early December, around the 5th or 6th of December, somewhere around there. And I was like, I better look into this actually and see what's going on. And it turns out we have five SKUs. One SKU was, was still going strong. The other four were making sales, but Amazon had de-indexed them all. Uh, they had moved them. To, uh, someone must have complained or someone was being malicious and they got moved into the adult category. Oh. And so when, when that happens, you don't even index. So you type in the word, uh, you know, uh, pretty islands and you don't come up anywhere. Uh, and if you even type in the ASIN, you don't come up. Like if you just type the ASIN into the, search bar, just, you're just going to check this. You don't even come up. You don't exist. The only place you exist is on where you've gotten sales in the past, where you had people that um, were buying or had bought this product that also bought this. Our customers who viewed this also viewed that. So those spots were still alive. So that's why I was still making sales on those four other four. And I didn't, the, the, the alarm bells didn't go off as, as quick as they should have. But when I looked into it, I was like, this is crazy, but it was too late. This is a seasonal product. People are buying calendars this time of year and it's like selling eggs. You know, I, I can't save these and sell them next summer. Um, they're, they're no good. Uh, so I was like, what am I going to do? I can't, I contacted Amazon. I contacted someone I know at Amazon. They're like, it, it's, it's classified. Amazon, I kept getting answers back from seller support and the catalog team. Sorry. You know, they just vague answers like you're in the right place. Uh, there's nothing we can do. Basically they're saying you're screwed. So what I had to do is create five new listings, four new listings, all FBM. Um, and so I, I created four new listings. I just, uh, I have a old school UPC uh, code back in the day when you could just buy the prefix back from, you know, 20 years ago, you just, you'd pay, I don't know what it was, 500,000 bucks, you get a prefix and you could make as many UPCs forever. So it's kind of like a grandfathered in. So I had that. So I just made up some new UPCs, even though they didn't match the product, I didn't give it. I didn't give a crap because I'm not sending these to Amazon. It doesn't matter. Let's put those new listings up as FBM because um, it was too late to ship them in. Uh, and if I did ship them in to FBA, it would be cause confusion. Amazon might not like it because you get two of the same thing on the same seller account, all this kind of stuff. So I was like, they'll just be the FBM listings. And, over, and then I, I have a list of customers who bought these directly from me over the last 20 years, been doing this like 20 years. So I emailed them, this was on a Sunday, I emailed them on Sunday and said, okay, one day flash sale. Most of these guys had already bought, uh, but some of them hadn't. I said, one day flash sale, these 1995 calendars are now 995, only today. 
So I got like a hundred orders that day, uh, 120 orders. That seeded algorithm with, uh, with the keywords and with, I don't go through a special uh, two-step URL. It got, and these are not highly competitive. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, these are, these are calendars for left-handed uh, red-haired people or whatever. Um, so, it, it, you know, so it doesn't take a lot to get them ranked. So I got them ranked and I got them frequently bought togethers together by doing this because those customers would buy different, you know, three of them or something. So that I got the frequently bought together and customers review this. So that would help me down the road and then started doing FBM uh, on it. And overnight, start selling a hundred a day over uh, last night. I actually shipped 800 orders. Um, and so it's actually making up more than the FBA. So if I didn't have that set up and didn't have that option or didn't know how to do that, I would have left literally tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Is it a pain in the ass? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but that's like I said earlier, that's where you're playing in Amazon's playground and, you, and they make the rules, not you, and they can screw you. But if you can adapt and pivot and be set up to do something like that, um, at the end of the day, um, it can be, it can save you. Yeah, that's exactly what we did during, well, we didn't get flagged as adult product, thank goodness, but um, that's exactly what we did when the pandemic kicked off and Amazon said, hey, we're not shipping stuff. We were like, we are, <laughs> yeah. you know, get those FBM orders going. And yeah, if I, I say if, if we hadn't done that, you know, we, we would have probably had a third of maybe even less of the sales that we shipped out during that time. And it was just insanity. Yeah. As so a seller, seller these days, you have to have FBM. Uh, if, you, if you don't, I mean, if you're selling something that's really niched and you're selling two a day, three a day, you could probably get by with just FBA, but if you're if you're selling anything that selling ten or ten or more, five to ten a day, you're gonna to have to have an FBM option. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at one PM Pacific Standard Time for live QA and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.